Hello, hello, and welcome to today's show, uh, High Time for Change podcast. It is Wednesday, March 29th, 2023. Um, today I'm going to introduce um, a special show that I'm going to call the Crystal Bonus Feature. And the Crystal Bonus Feature is something that's going to crop up probably fairly often, and it's going to happen when I feel that I'm receiving signs to a message that I need to share. And when this happens, I absolutely will interrupt my own regular programming to bring you a crystal bonus feature. It's going to kind of be like hopping down a tube in the Mario world. And I'm not sure if we're going to end up in the fire world or the water world, but whatever it is, it's hopefully going to be valuable. And it definitely was to me. I decided to call this the crystal bonus feature for numerous reasons. Like, I'm the type of person who is always seeking uh, the infinite entendre, which is something that just winds through everything with a little golden strand and then meets up and everything makes sense. The crystal bonus feature is connected to my lifelong love of gambling type games and especially slot machines. I'm a very superstitious person, so naturally I play exclusively machines that have themes that appeal to me or that I feel represent me. Especially like some of my favorite games are called Double Diamond Strike, where it's tons of huge diamonds that line up on the reel. And then there's a fourth reel that has a feature spin on it. And it's called Double Diamond Strike. And when you hit the fourth reel, uh, DD Strike, whatever you just won, the whole machine starts quaking and shaking like an earthquake. And then it just starts going nuts. And it'll give you like 10 times pay, five times pay, whatever. Um, some of my other machines I like are like Magical Unicorn, where a, mu- a unicorn head can show up and it turns the entire screen into something that wins huge. Or the ones with like frow lines with big boobs and lederhosen and beers on the front. Or a gypsy fortune thing or something Egyptian or Cleopatra like. That's my shit. Um, I've also been a lifelong super fan of Stevie Nicks and of all things kind of metaphysical and and of actual crystals. Um, When I was in my 20s, I used to make sort of a vision board called the Crystal Sun and Moon List, and I would cut out pictures of all my enormous magazine collection of things I wanted to have in the future. It's like a manifestation board. And if you were ever a visitor at my country house, as I called it, you will remember my glass-topped tea table that we sat on either side of, covered with huge crystal obelisks and geodes and everything. And of course, my general audience at the time thought this was because I love to do ice. Oh, and oh yeah, the crystal uh, bonus feature. I loved to do ice. (laughs) Um, And if you've ever spent time with me, you know I'm often wearing a ton of crystal jewelry or gemstones that I made myself and whatnot, or at least before I lost all of that. So I'm just a big old textbook crazy bitch with my favorite things and add in that I love cats and the whole picture is complete. Um, over and all, above all this, uh, in the last few years, I've developed a certain theory about my life path and the things I have liked all through my life, and how they indicate or don't what I later did. And I call that theory, quote, crystallizing. And please side note, I realize totally from the core of my soul right now, that that sounds like a really tweaker thing to say or think. But I promise you, it will be explored throughout this podcast. And you'll see what I'm on about with that. You know, I might take the long way around most of the time, but I do always reach the point that really needs to be reached in, I think, an impactful way. So there's that. That's the crystal bonus feature. Suffice it to say that I woke up this morning, I had figuratively hit a triple-triple diamond with a double strike feature on the fourth reel. So here comes the special show today, crystal bonus feature. Okay, I'm going to go ahead with my standard disclaimer now. 
Um, I am not yet a licensed medical professional. I'm a student and I'm speaking from my heart, my experience, my education, my rehabilitation, the research I've done, and the experiences of those close to me. Any information presented on my podcast or any of the associated media platforms will be researched and verified. If you vibe with my advice and if I raise your awareness, that is wonderful. It's not, however, a substitute for professional help from a medical or psychiatric provider. If you need urgent professional help, please seek it. Okay, moving on to the title of my show today. It is called Robbery, Synchronicity and the Trouble with Real Eyes. Robbery is named after the song by the artist Juice World, one of my favorites. Um, the song was scheduled to be released in March of 2019 on his album, A Death Race for Love. But it and a bunch of other songs were leaked in March of 2018. And of course, as you may or may not know, Juice World passed away in December of 2019 of multiple drug intoxs. Um, the meaning of this song to me is the painful cycles that we go through in addiction and trauma and recovery and how similar they all are to one another, no matter how they differ on the surface, until we begin consciously trying to heal and then they're interrupted with, quote, teaching points. Um, Teaching points are something that I use in getting through to myself and other people. Um, You know, Mikey used to tell me that I, quote, never let him talk. You know, that's not really true. What I wouldn't do is let him lie. I would stop and correct the situation and try to make it a teaching point. And people who are not ready to hear teaching points react pretty strongly against teaching points. You know, my 13-year-old daughter, I've had to intervene a lot with her lately. She's going through a lot. And I try to bring up teaching points. And, you know, more often than not, she ends up screaming back for a short while and then, you know, breaking down and listening. She screams back more at my husband because, naturally, I'm not the custodial parent and he the one there. It's not because she's angrier at him. So um, I once had uh, someone say to me, I, I try to speak on the level of who I'm speaking to so I can be inclusive and get through to them. I do have, you know, a wide vocabulary, and I'm pretty well educated. And what I didn't receive in formal education, I made up for on my own. And my father always tells me and other people tell me that I have a gift with the language. And it's not really speaking to my intellect. It's speaking to my deep desire to connect with others and have them hear what I'm saying. I study up to get the best tools, which are words, to get my message across. But, you know, sometimes I do say a word that someone might not understand. And I apologize in advance for the, you know, incorrectness of this statement politically, but I'm just keeping it authentic. I was speaking to an older gentleman, kind of a country gentleman once, and I said something he didn't understand. And he goes, honey, walk it back, cripple it and walk it on back by me real slow. So that's kind of what I try to do when I have my teaching points. Um, It's really, it was really hard for me to pick the lyrics to robbery that hit me the most because the whole song is just fire. You've got to listen to it if you haven't. I don't care if you're older. I don't care if you don't like that kind of music. It's really, really, really evocative. It's really meaningful. So I'm just going to start with some of the lyrics that always hit me the worst. And I'm going to try not to cry, but I might not succeed as I always don't. (laughs) Okay. She told me put my heart in a bag and nobody gets hurt. So now I'm running from her love and I'm not fast. So I'm making it, it worse. Now I'm digging up a grave from the past and I'm a whole different person. It's a gift and a curse and I cannot reverse it. I can't reverse it. And now I'm drinking too much and I'm a talk with a slur. Last time I saw you, it ended in a blur. I woke up in a hearse. She said, you loved me first. 
One thing my dad told me is never let your woman know where you're insecure. Didn't make it again. Don't care. Um, here I'm going to move on after those lyrics to the concept of synchronicity, which is what my show is based on. Most people have probably at least heard that word because there was a famous album by the police of the same name. Synchronicity means simultaneous occurrences of events which appear significantly related, but they really have no discernible causal connection. As I touched on in a previous uh, Facebook group post and a podcast, strange things have been happening to me lately. Um, I've had a number of occurrences happen which seem extremely significant to me in the past few weeks, and I'll touch on why I think these are happening a little bit later. In the past couple weeks, I've been led really randomly to uh, two different movies. The first one was called Hereditary, and it was a very scary horror film. And it had some extremely evocative graphic parts to it about connections with the dead. Um, I have come to realize that I actually somewhat dissociated during the movie, like around the middle of it. I've determined uh, that I probably did because of what happened at the end of the movie. I woke up the next morning hungover from the emotional pain and, and, you know, just the exhaustion of it. But I had thought I dreamed it, and then I realized I didn't. The ending credits of this movie have a very important song to me, and it's called Both Sides Now by Joni Mitchell. It's something that I've already named a future episode after, and it's a very significant song to me. It always has been. Um, even though Mikey and I had a lot of common interests, we were also significantly far apart in age, and we liked some different things. He was always amenable to learning about my stuff, though, and I really appreciated that, and so was I to his. I exposed him to a documentary based on the wonderful, amazing biography of Joan Baez, Carly Simon, and Joni Mitchell, and it's entitled Girls Like Us. I had him listen to the song Both Sides Now, and we agreed that if one of us ever died, that this song playing would signify the other's presence. Then the week after I saw that, I was led to a documentary about one of my favorite cases, which is the serial killer Herb Baumeister. If you're not familiar with him, this is a case from the 90s. He was a wealthy Indiana businessman who owned a chain of Save-A-Lot stores, and he had a very dark private life that I would liken to Jeffrey Dahmer's. Um, a large number of his victims were found on his enormous country estate, and the documentary was a paranormal exploration of that property, and it was absolutely terrifying. It had some really vivid EVP, and it had some great footage. Um, the connecting with the dead aspect here really, really struck me on a deep level, just the way the film is done. You've got to see it if you like uh, serial killer documentaries or the paranormal. Um, a couple days later, something came up as I was watching uh, my boyfriend's young son. He was on spring break. Uh, he really loves YouTube and gaming, as seemingly all little kids do now, and he really wanted an energy drink that's made by a famous YouTuber, and it's called Prime. Uh, his dad had been promising it to him for spring break treat, but it's so popular that it's sold out like everywhere. Um, when they got home to me that that day after work and school, they were bickering and struggling because of again, dad had tried to get the drink for the kid and it was nowhere to be found. And the kid was understandably really keyed up about it. And he really wanted this drink. You know, we were doing a staycation anyway, and he just wanted something special. And he was super frustrated. And I just wanted the situation to be fixed. So um, they went to their separate quarters to cool off. And I took my boyfriend's bank card and his car to a spot, you know, not far away, but it was in the trenches, mind you, that I had found out the drink could be found. 
Um, first of all, a little backstory with people who aren't physically in my life right now. Um, I suffer from several health problems, you know, some of them caused by my addiction, and they compromise my daily life right now. I'm about to have surgery for one of them. And as a consequence of these problems, I literally can barely walk most of the time, especially not down hills, especially not up and down steps, especially, especially not down steps, you know, yada, yada, it really takes a lot out of me on some days, some days I'm good. And some days I'm barely functional. So I sat out in the car and it was an absolutely beautiful sunny afternoon in the hood. The hood was jumping, you know, everything was cool. But of course, it was rush hour when I left. And this is down in the uh, UC area. So there was a lot of uh, bad traffic. Um, I w- it was only like a two mile drive, but it took me like 15 minutes there and 20 back because it was just at standstill traffic. Um, a car pulled up right next to me and was blasting future out the window. Now, that's something that always really catches my ear because that was mine and Mikey's favorite, and I just never hear it bumping like you hear most everything else unless it's out of my vehicle. Um, the song that was playing was FNN, and that was Mike's favorite song. It's kind of lesser known, and I suddenly thought that he was probably along for the ride because this is something he would greatly support. Uh, you know, a mission to go get a special energy drink that was from a famous YouTuber, uh, you know, because you like the video games. Um, I was taking a circuitous route to get to the store because of the traffic. And this person stayed right next to me, windows open, blasting future the entire time until I got there. They stayed with me on my very circuitous route for some reason. They never looked over at me or anything. It was just a regular guy. When I got to the store area, there was like nowhere to park anywhere near it because of the time of day. So I parked way up the street at a bigger business and I walked a couple blocks downhill, which for some reason on this day, I was able to do just fine. I was approaching like one of those little bus shelters on the right side of the street near the gas station. And there was a just a tall, regular white guy standing there. And he had kind of a Nicolas Cage type duster on now that I think about it. I'm not even kidding. And he was holding his hand out in a general kind of a peace sign slightly in my path. So I just acknowledged him in a friendly way like I do everybody. I mean, I usually straight up talk to people that I run into whether I know them or not. But I just wasn't going to do it right that second. I just wanted to get the drink before I ran out of steam walking and get it back to the kid. So after I acknowledged him a little bit, I guess I wasn't slowing down. So he leaned a little bit more into my path and said, hey, Lindsay, hey, Lindsay. And then I looked at him closely and I realized it was someone I hadn't seen for about three years since out at my country house. Um, It's a guy who's pretty close to two of my good guy friends. And that's how we met, you know, let's call him Chandler. And he did visit my house a few times. And one of those incidents, we had a significant conversation about his drug use. And I'm the first to admit that this conversation happened in the first place because the guy was acting absolutely balls out nuts in my house. And I was trying to defuse the situation. And even though I've heard of him near, you know, now and then since then, I really didn't cultivate talking to him again, because I didn't want him at my house or to meet up. You know, he was cool, but he was just really out of control sometimes. And that's pretty widely known about him. Anyway, he proceeded to tell me that that conversation three years ago ended up getting him sober. And he wanted to thank me and said he's doing a lot better now. And he handed me a $20 bill. Um, that's something I'm really not accustomed to from people that I used to know out there. It's happened with random strangers plenty, but not that. Um, so I went right into that store and I bought as many primes as I could get with that 20. They had all the flavors that that kid hadn't tried. And I came home and it was a great evening. It really diffused everything that was going on. And I was so glad that I could do it. But the way it happened seemed really intentional and highly favored to me. It just 
you you would have to experience it through me, but I hope I'm getting the point to you with my words. Um, that night, I was flipping through the channels at my boyfriend's house, and I saw Goodfellas on, which is something that I will always, always watch every time I see it on, no matter what point it comes on or whatever. I love the movie, and I've always loved it. I really love all organized crime movies. Um, Donnie Brasco is another one of my favorites of all time. Um, I happened to start watching it at the time that Henry Hill's character meets his wife, Karen, and they fall in love. And as I always do at that part, I was reacting quite giddily, like, oh my God, if I met him at that point in my youth, I'll be right on board with all that. It's so exciting. I'm such a sucker for it. Blah, blah, blah. You know, then after a short while, I started totally changing my opinion on it. Like, I've seen this movie thousands of times. I've always loved it with the same fervor. I've always loved the same specific parts of it, the certain concepts of it. And suddenly I felt really disgusted with the part of myself that's attracted to a man in a life like that. You know, I've always loved the scene where Ray Liotta goes across the street from Karen's parents' home and ends up beating the shit out of her neighbor boy, pistol whipping him. Um, because he had touched Karen and come on to her inappropriately. That was the man of my dreams at one point in time for a while. You know, someone who would kill for me, die for me, pistol whip somebody for me for a minor, minor infraction. I know, sick, right? Then I realized I really hate that about myself. It's really stupid. It's not indicative of my intelligence. It's not an indicative that I value myself. You know, it's done so much harm in my life holding these type of beliefs and that I have had a man who would do that. And when he got done pistol whipping someone who hadn't even done anything, he turned around and pistol whipped me flat out and broke my left orbital. And I have begun to see the shadow where that was broken more and more in the last year or two with everything that I've been through. So that was kind of a big moment, me turning on my own stupidity and having a real moment of clarity. I mean, that shows me I've grown. I'm 46 and I've never had that feeling before when I watched a movie like that that's always gotten me there. Um, next up comes a little story involving my wonderful boyfriend. And I'm actually going to go ahead and call him Ray because he looks like a little Ray Liotta, but more like a hybrid, like 20% the Ray Liotta who's kicking in someone's head and then 80% the Ray Liotta who's making the Sunday gravy and the big dinner for his family while he's trying to orchestrate like a big Coke pickup at the same time. You know, let me annotate here. If our relationship was good, fellas, I am not Karen, okay? I'm simply a different Ray Liotta, like the one that ducks out the back with the big brick of cocaine and laughs his ass off, slips away. Um, anyway, my boyfriend, Ray, is a type 1 diabetic, and that's pretty significant, not only because I have successfully made it through almost nine months of daily life in a relationship with a type 1 diabetic who has syringes with him every time I'm near him, and I've never touched one or tried to find one or even looked at one or tried to see him while he's doing a shot. Um, that's kind of big. I know it sounds just disgustingly pathetic, but to me, that's a big step. And it's also significant because he has a major medical issue that I kind of have to be on the lookout at all times so I can help him if needed. You know, he had a very slight episode on like our second date, but it was really quick. We ate right after that. And I didn't recognize it for what it was at the time. He only told me later, but he did prepare me for the future when I asked on how to help him. Um, last night he got home from work. He was really, really tired. And we decided on what we were having for dinner, which I was going to make. So he did his insulin based on what we had chosen to eat. And then he laid down and wanted a rub because he was really sore. In other words, I did not start cooking dinner immediately. Uh, I got up to cook and then I sat back down with a drink as soon as I could leave the stove. And 
He was getting himself a drink too, but he didn't see that I had one and got me a can too. But as he turned around, he just totally dropped it like Butterfingers. And I started laughing because of his, you know, Mohican curse and he always has the worst of luck. And he very slowly picked it up, came to his side of the bed and started trying to get the smashed, disfigured can open with his bare hands in like a very zombie-like manner. And I kind of realized then that he wasn't really with me. And then he dropped that can altogether. So I grabbed it and I handed him my glass with ice, still not thinking what this really was. And he dropped that whole glass right away and spilled it. So that's when I looked right at him and I saw he was sweating really profusely and his eyes were like gone. So I guess he was in insulin shock or insulin reaction. I don't know what it's really called. But then it got really hectic and I had to jump right in just like I always did and, you know, overdoses and the adrenaline took over and, you know, we got all through it and everything. And then I started coming down. You know, I I can't really tell you what the feeling is unless you have saved a very close loved one from, you know, a really dicey situation. Um, Your body starts to come down from that surge of adrenaline wearing off. You start to kind of get hit by the trauma of what you just experienced and how serious it was and how you handled it without even knowing what you were doing. And, you know, your body is just sapped at the end. And then I started unraveling and thinking, I cannot go through this again. I cannot be with somebody who goes through unpredictable things and I can't control them and I might lose them. I cannot be left behind here again. And, you know, I was really, really cycling through that rapidly. And that's not the answer. I really love my boyfriend and I don't run when things get hard. I followed Mike down into his grave. You hear me? So, it wasn't for real, but that's my cycle. I start spinning and thinking I can't do this again. I'm I'm going to flip out. This is going to end me. I just can't take this not knowing. And you know, the, the fright and the adrenaline of it. I just, I don't know if I can do this. And then I started thinking we really need to have another talk. He's really got to manage this much better, take better care of himself for his son or for me. I can't take it if he doesn't, you know, I was sitting there really going through it and I had my back to him. I try really, really hard not to let tears or sounds of tears out in front of my boyfriend, not because I'm not free to, not because he doesn't love me regardless and not because he won't get me through it, but because he's one of those people like Mikey who doesn't know how to handle it and feels responsible when he sees tears, kind of panics. So I was about to really fall apart. And then all of a sudden, just a really grave calm a really profound calm came over me, like as if somebody was putting a big heavy quilt over a cage and I'm a parakeet. You know, the words more echoed through my body as a sensation than something audible. And it just said, you have no more control now over what ails him or anybody than you ever did before about Mike, about anyone. All I can do is love him and be there or choose not to be there. But I can't control any outcome. This isn't a failing on my part anymore than Mike's addiction was. You know, I just control me, just love him, the end. It was a total resignation and it just raised my awareness and was very much a teaching point because at that moment I realized that my progress has been and is interrupting my natural cycles of giving up and it's making teaching points for me. And to me, that's incredibly exciting. It's one of my favorite things in the world to have a breakthrough with somebody else. I've never cared that much about having one with me because I don't love me and I don't care about my betterment until now. Now I do. 
you know, I, after I had that profound sense, I was started making my own dinner, I took a break, you know, and then I started making my own plate. And my boyfriend was watching a show called um, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. It's like a political satire show. It's really smart. And I overheard from the kitchen some woman say big DeSantis energy, which struck me so funny. I just started to crack up so hard while I was picking, fixing my plate. And it released all of that tension. And I realized what all really happened. I wanted to work it into a show somehow, but I was just too exhausted from everything. I wrote down a few keywords and then I fell asleep really hard. You know, I woke up this morning because we had to get going, um, get him and the kids somewhere and get me home to do my podcast because my studio is at my home base. And I just woke up all wrong. You know, I woke up emotionally hungover from all the exhaustion and the emotion last night. And I woke up in a persona of myself who I call baby hard, baby hard, Loves Lil Baby and Juice World and Lil Skies, Lil Peep. You know, she's got a tattoo over her eyebrow that says Cry Baby. You know, Baby Heart is rather reserved and definitely sad, but she will still kill you. But in a more low key way, like Hannibal Lecter making that guy swallow his own tongue. You know, I was also really cold physically, which means that my joints were just radiating with a lot of metallic pain. My skin hurt. And I was shaking with chills because I get the chills really, really easily now from my autoimmune diseases. I was just pretty much a mess. You know, I didn't know how I was going to get it together and record my show before I had to go back after he got off work. And, you know, baby hard, just put her shades on and listen to music the entire way home. And then as soon as we pulled in the driveway, I saw a cardinal, red cardinal, right in front of the car. And it wasn't a big fat cardinal. It was a little cardinal. And as soon as I was about to open my door and get out and walk up to my door, the cardinal flew right up to my windowsill and he waited. And by the time I really got out of the car and I was walking away from them up the driveway to go inside, I just completely felt lost. I was really about to drop. Um, I was crying and I just felt so lost. I didn't know how I was going to get it together to do the show today. I went to my room and I sat down and I opened my Facebook and the first thing I saw was an absolutely stunning picture of a good friend of mine who I call my wife. Um, she's an incredibly cool, awesome chick who I met in a plus models group a couple years ago. And she and her old man, they live in Wichita and they're just genius. They have great taste in music. They're hysterical, great taste in art and everything. I just love watching their lives. Uh, it's so great to see her happy and her boyfriend is just fire, like in every way. So funny and so perfect for her. But she had posted a really beautiful ethereal picture of herself. And the caption said, here I go again. I see a crystal vision. And that's a Stevie Nicks lyric, one of my favorites. And then I knew I was going to make a crystal bonus feature today about this. And that's what I was supposed to be doing. So thank you to my beautiful wife, Bunny. You've always been amused to me. So thank you. What I learned from my magical mystery tour the last couple of weeks is that I am coming a lot farther than I even think I am. I can now interrupt my own negative cycle and take a different direction from there. From the synchronicity of all the things that happened came my real eyes. And here I have to make a side note that I plan on doing some future episodes on the things that we say out there in the lifestyle versus what they mean in the real world and just the total irony there. This is one of my favorite subjects since I first went out there. One such thing, one such little saying in the street world, as my dad says, is the very astute um, 
saying, but not at all. Real eyes realize or recognize real lies. And that's totally true, but not the way that they mean it out there. You know, with my real eyes, you know, recovering from my disordered thinking and all the trauma I've been through, I saw what had always been going on all along. And that's when I saw with my real eyes. I experienced fear because I don't want to see it. I want to unsee it and I want to forget it. It's uncomfortable and I want to go back to the familiar things that were destroying me. But you can't go back once you see it. And from there, you can make your new reality with your real eyes. I've always been commented on throughout my life about my beautiful eyes. And it is quite true that I've always seen the world very differently, I think, than others do. But the way I saw it wasn't always real. And now it is. You know, I have suffered from my own, you know, disordered beliefs and delusions my entire life. It's affected profoundly my relationship with my family, my parents and my sister, my ex-husband, my kids, Mike, every other man I've ever been with, my current boyfriend, everyone. And now what I'm seeing is real. I also realize where this is probably happening right now. You know, throughout the new relationship that I'm in with Ray, the closer that I draw to him and his son and the more significant things that we go through, I think I internally start to feel guilty and I just won't let it go any further for a little bit until I realize how I'm self-sabotaging and just let it go on and love it. I've had a couple cycles, you know, throughout the fall and just a few times this year where I feel very guilty because, you know, moving away from the lifestyle and the pain and the uncertainty and the loss that I experienced when I was with Mikey is absolutely something I want to grow away from. But he is not something I want to grow away from or leave behind. But I have to. And I'm just teaching myself that little by little, which is literally the only thing that I can do. So um, wrapping it up. Thanks for tuning in today for my crystal bonus feature. I hope that you found something in it. Um, Stay tuned for uh, the next episode, uh, part four of childhood trauma, which is entitled the scientist rewinding the tape and absorbing the loss. Please also join my Facebook group for um, high time for change. And again, thanks for listening. It's my honor to have you join me. Be well, be healthy, love your people and love yourself today. Now, Back to the regular Mario world with you. See you next time. Thanks.